Welcome to Midi the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the Midi Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew and poo. All right, let's get started. In today's episode, I speak with Lauren Vickers all about her motherhood journey. After a straightforward conception and pregnancy, Lauren found herself being induced after 41 weeks. Lauren shares her induction experience and the birth of her son via forceps. Despite having a birth plan, Lauren shares how she found herself with an experience far from what she was ever expecting. With complications post-birth of a postpartum hemorrhage and a hematoma, Lauren discusses how she had to advocate for herself whilst experiencing excruciating pain. And although Lauren's birth didn't go to plan, she highlights some of the special and most rewarding moments of being a mum, including her successful breastfeeding journey. Please welcome Lauren. Hello everyone and welcome back to Midi the Podcast. Today I'm joined by lovely Lauren Vickers. So Lauren, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Well, um, it was really nice to meet you at a Medella event that we went to a few months ago. It was such an amazing event to go to really, like so many mums in the room. Um, Everyone had all these different experiences and we were all really passionate about breastfeeding, which was really cool. Um, So it was just nice to be around like-minded people. But a bit about myself, I'm 30 six years old I don't really think about that I know it's so funny <laughs> 36 years old um I'm a mama of one to Maverick who's about 20 months now so a little over a year and a half he's a hurricane um <laughs> he's a very big boy he's very yes. boisterous and excitable and so much fun um he's in a really fun stage at the moment where he's just really cheeky so <laughs> really enjoying being a mum to him but it is full on um mm. off to the mamas out there I struggle with one I don't know how people do it with multiple children <laughs> to be honest there's no um, choice once they've got them they can't go back it's wild so you know it's just really opened my eyes to the world of parenthood um and how much mm. people go through I have worked as a model for the majority of my life and also within the fitness industry um but I was a model from the time I was about 11 years old up until you know my early 30s Um, I only do a little bit here and there now, but, you know, it's um, given me a unique perspective into lots of different industries and my modeling career changed a lot over the years as well as my life changed. And when I stepped into motherhood, it even took on a new turn there as well. Mm. So I've been able to kind of mold it. Um, I've worked professionally outside of modeling for the last four or five years now as well. Um, first in fitness and then recently in like the baby industry um, and back in fitness at the moment but you know I still have a big passion for all things the mamahood you know I think it can be a bit of a lonely space sometimes when you're a new mom and 
going through these massive life changes that just aren't really comparable to any other stage of your life. Yeah. Um, so to find other people that talk openly about it and, you know, the struggles and, and the good things and the, as well as the bad things um, to give you a bit of perspective is really important. So I quite like sharing that with people just to make them feel like they're not alone. There's definitely not the Instagram perfection going on in my life. <laughs> it's a little bit chaotic, but I yeah. wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, we did connect at the Medalla event and I was like, oh, I really want to, you know, invite you onto the podcast because you were a guest speaker and you spoke about your breastfeeding journey and you just, you shone a light to breastfeeding in a really realistic way. Um, And for me as a midwife, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is such a great thing to be showcasing other vulnerable mums and other women and just highlight that breastfeeding is normal and there's a way to show people that you can do it as a busy working mum as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very grateful for you coming on and sharing your motherhood story with me. Um, I can't wait to get into it. Mm-hmm. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your conception journey with Maverick? Yeah, sure. It was pretty quick, to be honest. Um, yeah. We weren't really trying, but we weren't kind of not trying and it happened yeah. straight away. So I'm one of the lucky ones in that respect. Um, and, you know, we just went, oh, okay. <laughs> and I was one of those women that I guess, I mean, I know my body quite well, maybe working mm. in fitness for so long and stuff like that. I, I noticed changes really instantly. So I knew it like four and a bit weeks that yeah. something was different you know I was having really yeah. crazy dreams <laughs> yeah. and I just felt different you know I was a little bit out of breath which was really weird for me um I started to get really tired I didn't get sick which was really great like my whole first pregnancy I was fine I didn't get nauseous mm. so grateful for that because I had a few friends with HG and yeah. I cannot Super explain much. how horrible it must be for them the poor yeah. things it's just awful that they go through that as if there's enough to go through. Um, But I had a really great pregnancy. I was really active the whole time. I knew with Maverick that he used to, my husband used to laugh. I used to say, I know this baby's going to be stubborn (laughs) and I know he's going to be a maniac because he was constantly kicking all the time. He's one of those really active babies in the womb. I know some people have really sleepy little babies, but he was the complete opposite. Um, and I ended up being very overdue with him and it was mm. lockdown when I was very, very mm. pregnant. You know, I spent majority of my pregnancy in lockdown. Um, yeah. and so there were good things and bad things. I mean, I was really bored <laughs> on the yeah. first part of my maternity leave because yeah. I was so overdue. I think I was nine days overdue and all I could do was like waddle up the street with my husband to go to the cafe, get a takeaway um, hot chocolate and come back and yeah. be out of breath and tired and just, you know, uh, felt yeah. like the size of a house. Um, there wasn't much to do otherwise, you know, cooking, yeah. like getting things ready. I didn't get to have a baby shower and like, you know, go shopping with your mom and like those little things that you really want to do when you're yeah. pregnant. But, you know, it could have been a lot worse. We were really healthy. Um, we lived in a a great place. So we were really happy. I had my mom close by, which was nice. She was sharing a house with us. So at least I got to see her, which I think I would have struggled without that being away from my, my mom during that time. Um, 
And she was a massive help to us as well. And then, you know, I had the baby during lockdown, which was weird. So only one person could be at the hospital. I don't know if it's still like that. Maybe can you have more than one now? Every hospital is so different. But now usually in the birth centres, it's like to support people. Um, But then postnatally, so once your baby's born, it's usually one support person for like 24 hours or so and then additional visitors. So it's still, COVID has definitely kept some form of restrictions in the visitor space, which yeah. is, you know, pros and cons of that. Like I'm constantly, to all the staff not having so many people in I'm constantly in <laughs> arguments with patients and families being like, I'm so sorry, these are just the hospital policies. But yeah. to us and, you know, I've seen it with mums who are trying to learn and with the breastfeeding, like, and they get bombarded and by visitors, it's actually so nice for them to have their own space, yeah. like straight away. But definitely COVID took a lot from first-time mums and like the you know you say we were safe so that's most important but hey when you fall pregnant for the first time you're so excited to do all those firsts and Mm -hmm. to miss out on them is really really sad and unfortunate um and definitely took a toll on a lot of women in their first pregnancies during the lockdowns there was a little bit of a silver lining like because um, there were some restrictions that had opened up and a mm. very good girlfriend of mine who's a photographer that I've worked with a lot over the years, mm. we actually ended up being in the same kind of LGA. And so we got to do a socially distanced maternity um, <laughs> shoot on my yeah. due date, which you would never get so that yeah. was like the silver lining and also establishing breastfeeding not having a million people running in to be honest I don't think I would want a lot of people running in after, after I'd just get yeah. like you'd that. be surprised the that amount of people ridiculous. and families that walk in I'm like oh please go yeah. <laughs> so I got that time with Mavi and like he was like a full-on power sucker straight away he just latched on and basically never let go so um he was great from like the minute I gave birth pretty much he was on um so the midwives were really helpful in that because they knew that I wanted to try um but he was great and you know I I was a bit unwell because of how the birth went so to have that time of just my husband and the baby was actually really helpful yeah amazing and Lauren given that you were in like the modeling industry falling pregnant did you how did you feel with your body changing because I feel like there's often a stigma with models and pregnancy and how models view their bodies did how did you feel about falling pregnant were you excited for the changes that were going to occur to your body and things like that yeah I was actually okay about it like I've um, because I've been in the industry for like a billion years, I've dealt with all of the agencies that told me I was way too big. And I was always the biggest girl in the agency when I was like 50 something kilos. It was ridiculous. I'm five foot 11. Mm. So mm. I dealt with that my whole life and I thought it was bullshit for, a better, for lack of a better yeah. word. Um, yeah. sorry for swearing, but so I swearing. was very comfortable with my body and, you know, yeah. I was in my mid thirties. I think I was mm. 34 when I had Mavi. So I didn't really have too much stigma attached to it. I thought yeah. it was pretty remarkable to see how your body changes. And I've always been yeah. really passionate about women and health and stuff like that. So I was yeah. like, wow, this is insane what your body does and like how your organs all move around as, as uncomfortable as it can be um, to make way for this baby. And then I just had this huge belly. So it was, and he, cause he was a real mover. I'd like just tap on my belly and he'd like kick and punch <laughs> me all the time. So 
I thought it was really quite remarkable. Um, yeah. because my husband's in the fitness industry as well. He's really passionate about health and, and all that kind of stuff. So he was like marveling at it too. It's really mm-hmm. very cool. I think it's more important to celebrate how amazing yeah. your body is doing rather than get hung up on anything. And because I wasn't modeling full time, it wasn't my bread and butter at that point. I wasn't really worried about it, but I can understand, especially postpartum, sometimes you do feel a bit disconnected from your body and you're like, I don't, I don't recognize it. Like it yeah. doesn't feel the same, like this hurts, mm. this doesn't work the way it used to, or these systems yeah. seem a bit out of whack. And it takes a yeah. bit of a time for you to readjust to what is your new normal. And then yeah. you slowly, I, I don't reckon I felt like myself postpartum until between 12 and 18 months after the birth, which is weird, but apparently extremely normal. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like as a society, we're definitely evolving to sharing more about like these experiences and feelings that women have uh, about their pregnancy and postpartum body image. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like back in the day, especially early days of Instagram, it could have been quite toxic. And now more women like yourself are highlighting to their audiences that this is very normal to be feeling this way. And exactly like you said, it's empowering and you should be proud of your body, not be judging it. Oh, it's amazing. And, you know, the the weird thing when you give birth, you kind of expect your body to look <laughs> back how it did before you were pregnant straight yeah. away, but it takes a good while. And so I'm looking at this belly that's still there and I'm like, I still look six months pregnant. What's going on? But the midwife that came along, she was one of those ones that been, has been there for, you know, at least 30 mm. years. She was lovely. She goes, now you've got this really great supportive tummy to put your baby on when you're breastfeeding. I'm like, that's oh. lovely. Like that's that is really such cute. a nice thing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, it is that. weird. You feel like you're in this alien body that you've got this little pot belly and these, you know, stick arms and legs. Um yeah. and you're holding this baby. So you're like, well, the bulk is here. What's this? But you know, yeah. it's gotta take a while to go back. That's only yeah. nothing can snap back straight away. And no. to anyone that says that they snap back straight away, I call lies on a lot <laughs> of it because you'd have Me to be a freak of nature to snap yeah. back straight away. And there's definitely a genetic component that comes into that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe because I was a bit, you know, older and in terms of evolution as Mm. a first time mum, I was quite old, you know, back maybe when people were having babies when they were in their teens, it might've been Mm. different, but yeah, you know. But hey, modern day now, I -hmm. see a lot of women in their mid thirties, like Mm -hmm. having their first babies, definitely that average age has increased Mm -hmm. and it's the lifestyle that we live now takes longer to get a like stable job buy a house do all those things those first Mm -hmm. and back in the day uh so you're definitely not older I would not say that no apparently (laughs) Um, my next well because I'm 36 now whenever my next you know pregnancy is I'm going to be a geriatric (laughs) how rude is that the medical industry can be so don't don't even get me started on that honestly I'm like seriously Um, I'm not 75 (laughs) yeah just don't even think about that right now I promise (laughs) when that time comes you've birthed a baby already you'll be able to birth your next baby um but that brings me to my next question so in the lead up for your birth you were obviously overdue how was your mental state at that point like how did you stay focused on I'm gonna you know let trust my body to go into natural labor what were some of the thoughts going into your mind because so women get so many women get fixated on that 40 week mark but 
you know, there's still potentially more time after that and can be really challenging. I think it was a bit kind of exacerbated because, you know, we were in lockdown. We had nothing to do. I couldn't do anything. I'm in a really small LGA too. It's like a five kilometer radius. So um, I did get a little bit stir crazy, but I was, I'm pretty naturally calm person. Um, and I was really calm through my pregnancy. So I, I didn't stress about it. I was fine. Um, I was sick of being like, you know, you get to the point where nothing fits you anymore. I was wearing my husband's clothes. (laughs) Like I was just sick of this big, you know, belly and like aching hips at night and not being able to sleep. And I'm like, isn't this the time I'm supposed to be sleeping? Cause I'm not going to be sleeping in the future. Um, So I did get a bit frustrated with that, particularly when I was like a week overdue. I'm like, this baby's not going to leave. (laughs) You feel like you're going to be pregnant forever. Um, But I'd done, I found it really helpful it was recommended to me by quite a few people a calm birth course yeah and I think any of those courses really just to give you a bit of perspective so that you know it's not like in the movies where your water breaks and then you give birth to the the baby like three minutes later it's very rarely happens that way so it takes a long time to go into labor um and or the labor is a long time so generally so I ended up having to be induced anyway because I was nine days overdue and that they'd started to worry a little bit about Bubba's heart rate so they decided to induce me um Mm -hmm. I went in on in like the night time and they were gonna they gave me some I think they gave me the gel um and then in the morning they were gonna push something that to help it along if it didn't happen naturally and that was like my first night alone in a while and I actually got a bit emotional then because it's my first night by myself I was like this is a big kind of scary move I shed a little bit of a tear in hospital and I hadn't cried my whole pregnancy I wasn't very emotional so that was a bit of a weird turning point for me but I think it was just the build-up of everything yeah Um, and you had been waiting for that moment and yeah, it was probably like, okay, yeah, this is happening. Everything's going to change from now on. Like it's a, a big thing to prepare for. So that, the, and they were great. Like the midwives were lovely. But I was at a hospital that was relatively new. It was only a couple of years old um, up on the Northern Beaches here. And the room, the birthing suites were beautiful. They were amazing. Yeah. So that was really nice. Um, but yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit full on. So my emotions ran a little bit wild that night. Um, but, you know, I was really excited that, you know, I knew within a day or so I was going to be able to finally meet this little baby. And I'd been so excited to finally meet him because that's all you build yeah. up to, right? Like you yeah. don't really think about the postpartum when you're, first, especially as a first time mom, when you're yeah. pregnant, yeah. you just think of getting to that point and then you're like, yeah. okay, what happens from here? So yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit full on um, and you don't know how it's going to feel and because it's different for everybody. And yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, which I think make you a little bit naturally anxious, but I was I was pretty good. I was take, yeah. well taken care of. Well, you educated yourself. Yeah. So that's honestly having that education behind you just to know this is normal right now. This is why things are happening the way they are. Take some of that anxiety away, which is why I'm always like, please educate yourself. Yeah no matter what like it shouldn't yeah. be a question of do I do a birth class or some sort of course oh, yeah, definitely do course. you'll take something away from it and something is better than nothing like knowledge is power just so you know that possible outcomes or possible you know tangents that you go on because every birth is different um yeah. and so even though my birth plan didn't see the yeah, light I was gonna day, say <laughs> did you have some sort of uh like birth wishes or expectation how you thought your labor was going to go I did I did draw up a birth preferences um yeah. and it really didn't 
it kind of all went the opposite <laughs> pretty much. Mm. But, you know, at least I I knew the possibilities of what could have happened either way. Um, so th- there were things that happened that I would never think would happen because I didn't even know about them and they were quite rare complications. But um, at least I knew that, you know, I, I'd had a good chat to Mick, my husband, and we knew that if I wasn't feeling well enough, like he knew to really advocate for me yeah. and that's important and you need to advocate for yourself so that people understand what you do want and ultimately like the midwives are the best at that because they are there yeah. to help you, you know, get the birth that, that you want if if that's possible. Yeah. Um, and they're there to support you. They're there more to support you than to support anybody else in the hospital, which is a really nice thing because sometimes yeah. you need that. Like surgeons can be quite clinical and, you know, the bedside manner is kind of typical of a surgeon. It's not always the best, but the mm. midwives are there for mama. Mama's the most yeah. important to them, which is yeah. lovely. Yes. Midwives and obstetric team, although we work very well together, we do have the way that our sort of we've been taught about labor and birth is very very different mm-hmm. so yeah sometimes can be quite confronting when a doctor walks into the room and they've got a completely different vibe to like some of the midwives that you've met but that's just mm-hmm. because we're doing sort of although we're working together we're doing two slightly different jobs yeah. but as a midwife like of course my job is to advocate for you support you and literally be your cheerleader mm-hmm. the whole time and I will believe in any woman that I look after that she's going to come in like and have a vaginal birth, 100%. I never walk into a room being like, no, she's going to go for a Caesar. And often people can do that. Mm -hmm. But I have full trust in every single woman's body that they're going to birth their baby. And regardless of the outcome, as long as they're safe and their baby's safe, that's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so important, particularly in that long stretch. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes the the ovaries only come in later. Um, yeah. a lot of the time the OBs only come in later, but you've got a long time <laughs> when you're in labor generally for, unless, you know, you're on your second, third, subsequent births, um, yeah. that can be quicker, but generally as a first time mom, you're in it for quite a long haul, you know, yeah. looking back, it seems mm. like such a quick time. Like, I don't feel like I was on the yeah. birthing ball for that long and all that kind of stuff, but it probably was at least a couple of hours. And they were there the whole time, like holding my hands and stuff. And my husband rocked up to the hospital. He's like, what's going on? Like yeah. I thought I was coming at the right time, but you, you're already like yeah. four centimetres. What's going on? Like, yeah. He walked yeah. in with, you know, the, the speaker and all the little things I'd asked him to bring and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like on the ball, on the gas. And he's like, like oh, wow, this is happening. This is starting, yeah. And I was going to say, so obviously you had – the prostaglandin gel so for people that are listening and they're like what are, what are you guys talking about basically that's a form of induction so it's a form of cervical priming so they would have already assessed your cervix to mm-hmm. go hey you're however many centimeters dilated and if we can't actually get inside the cervix into the membranes to break the waters a woman's cervix needs to be primed so pretty much think about it as giving a head start mm-hmm. so there's different ways that we can do that and prostin via the prostaglandin gel is one of them mm-hmm. and it gets inserted behind the cervix into the posterior fornix of the vagina and what that does is the prostaglandins in that gel help pretty much soften and dilate the cervix. Did you experience some intense contractions from the gel? Not really intense. I did feel like what felt a bit like cramps, like period cramps. But looking back, I used to have a really horrendous period cramps. So maybe they were probably more mild for me. But, you know, maybe on someone that doesn't have intense cramping each month normally, maybe it would feel a bit more intense. But, yeah, yeah, I remember feeling a bit 
bit funny like that, you know, and it kind of makes my belly a bit funny and stuff like that. So yeah, I did notice a change, but it was like a slow burn for me, like a really slow burn. Yeah. And then obviously, did you only have one dose of the gel? Sometimes women require more than one dose. I can't remember if they gave me a second one in the morning. They might have, but eventually they ended up pushing an IV. I think it was of something to move things along a bit because they were a bit slow to start. Yeah. So usually... <laughs> Usually we break your waters and then we'll hang up the hormone drip um full of the oxytocin that then brings on the uterine activity so that you go into labor. How did you find your induction or do you mind sharing a bit how the rest of your labor and birth went? So it didn't really go to according to plan. <laughs> I say my birth preferences, you know, I don't want um I, I didn't necessarily want to be induced. I didn't want to yeah. Although by that point I was like, this baby needs to get out. <laughs> um, yep. But I didn't want an episiotomy. I didn't want forceps delivery. You know, I didn't want. Yep. I didn't want to have an emergency C-section, which I didn't end up having. But there were a few things that went haywire to how I envisioned it. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I wanted to establish be- breastfeeding. I wanted to de- delay cord clamping. Those wishes were really well respected. I wanted to have that time with my baby when he was brand new to let him do like a little version of a breast crawl. And he was a champ. Yeah. He loved it. <laughs> right away. So he was great. Um, but yeah, the the birth was was okay. So when I first started getting like more intense contractions, that's mm-hmm. when I wanted to move to like the birthing ball because it felt really comfortable for me. I'd spent a lot of time on the Swiss ball at home trying to get this baby to spin because he was sitting posterior for a while and stuff like yeah. that. So um, I, I felt comfortable on that. You know, it feels nice yeah. on your hips. It kind of takes off the pressure a little bit when you've got this. Well, it, it, that's exactly it. It changes yeah. like if you think about it. It, when you move your hips on a pelvis, the part like the diameter or the outlet can change. So if your baby's in a little bit of a funny position, yeah. by you simply moving your hips, like can change the way the pelvis sits and they can get into more of a comfortable position. Yeah. And it was great. Like I sort of could have my knees up a bit more without being in a really deep squat and having to hold it yeah. myself, um, which was really good. And at about four or six centimeters dilated, I asked to have the gas. Um, and I took a couple of breaths of this. I'm like, this is like having six champagnes. This is amazing. <laughs> I was like, I'll be fine with this. And then I think I got a bit further along and I was like, no, 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 I, I want the epidural because this is getting yeah. really, really intense now. Um, yeah. And it had taken, I think it had taken quite a while at that point. I was a bit tired and exhausted, not as long as some women have. Like it wasn't like a 24 hour thing, but I was just tired. Um, you know, I'd been trying to have little bits of water every now and again, like I think little maybe bites of a muesli bar or something just to keep up my energy a little yeah. bit, um, but not a lot of food. Um, and there was a point where I started to feel really queasy. So I'm like, okay, we're getting closer. I think, mm. you know, I'd, when I did my calm birth course, they're like, the minute you throw up, that's when things are starting to get that <laughs> way, you know, like that's, yeah, a- we love, we do love a good throw up. They were ready. They knew. Yeah. Um, but I did end up getting um, an epidural, which in a way I didn't want to have because it meant I had to be on the bed. And I, I know like from my own like body positions and like the research that I'd done that, you know, squatting is really great and all those kind of positions where you can open your hips, but sitting back on a bed, not brilliant. Um, so I did have a little bit of a hard time pushing after that. Um, just because I guess I wasn't as in tune with my body because of the Mm. block, you know, the nerve block. Um, And there was a point where he just 
it's like I think his shoulders or something got a bit stuck um and and he was a big baby so well he wasn't enormous but he was about I'm tall we're all broad you know he was he was long he was like 53 centimeters long or something like that so he was a big baby um and there was a point where he was stuck and the OBs came around and there was a registrar and an OB and the OB she was actually really lovely Dr Abby she was great um she's like look we can't like you're too far along for a c-section but well too far down for a c-section because of his condition or whatever um, and I was like, Phew. but then she goes, but I think we're going to need to do an episiotomy um, because he's a bit stuck and potentially a forceps to the room. Like, Ugh. she's like, but you won't feel it because you've had the epidural. So when the registrar, I think maybe the registrar was a little bit hasty and maybe cut a bit much because there was a lot, lot of blood. Um, and I don't know if this contributed to something later, but, and maybe that's just what happens, but. I, I did end up losing quite a lot of blood. Um, but then, you know, they got him out. He was looking great. Um, he was a champion on the boob. Just, And I was, like, so in love with this yeah. baby and my husband and just this little beautiful birth bubble. Like, I was really tired, but I was just full of yeah. love at that point. And it was just yeah. the most euphoric feeling, which is lovely. Mm. Um, so that was, that was amazing. Um, you, you did it. I did it. He was out. It was it was fine. Um, but then a few hours after the birth, I started to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And then a, a different midwife team came in because you know you change shifts. And there was yeah. quite a new midwife that I think, you know, she seemed relatively new to it. Um, I don't know whether she took what I was saying maybe seriously enough. Um, and there was an OB on call at that time, a guy, and he was a bit of a douche to be honest um because I said to him I'm feeling this pain and he goes oh it's just after birth contractions I'm like but it doesn't feel there like it feels down near my butt like and I remember when I'd gone to a women's physio um in the lead up to the birth you know to try and help stuff I had a really tight pelvic floor that wouldn't let go wouldn't unclench and so they did some like manipulation and when they were doing that I'd feel this like dull ache and it would like radiate down the back of my leg a little bit and I'm like, it feels like that. And he basically just swatted me away and just left. And I was like, I don't like that guy. Um, and so she, the midwife, she brought me a couple of Panadol. I'm like, okay, we'll try it. Ten minutes later, I threw them up because I was in so much pain. And I was, I was moaning and mooing like a cow. Like I, it was these primal noises. I'm like, I didn't feel this bad in the birth. Something is wrong. Something's not right. And Nick has got this like hours old baby, you know, he's like, I don't know what to do. You're losing a lot of color. Like you're not good. I'm like, you need to go and get somebody else like help. Um, And then eventually I asked to be put back on the gas because I was in so much pain. And then he noticed that I was taking gas on every breath, which I didn't even do during my contractions, but he's like, something's not right. Um, And eventually there must've been another change of shift or something like that I'd been in pain for quite it felt like forever I was in so much more pain now than I ever was during the birth did they um, look at your perineum they, um, they sort of had a look and they thought it was fine but then the OB that was there during my birth Dr Abby came back and she's like it's really rare but I'm gonna do an interior exam because I think you might have a hematoma an internal hematoma and so she did one and I like jumped and yelped back because it was so painful and she's Mm -hmm. like there's a hematoma there she's like look if you can hang on for half an hour 
I'm going to come back and sometimes these things resolve on their own. Um, it's not that common. So, yeah, sometimes they resolve on their own. I'm going to come back in half an hour. And in half an hour, I was really not in a good state. Like I started to look like a cadaver. <laughs> like I was so pale. My freckles were popping out everywhere. I was in so much pain. I was still on the gas. Um, and this young midwife, I think I scarred her for life because she was like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't feel good at all. I was not well. I was like making all these primal noises. Um, she came back and she felt, and she goes, okay, it's spread to the other side. Now this was at about, I don't know, two o'clock in the morning or something like that. Um, what time was Mav born? Uh, like three or four in the afternoon or something. So I've been in pain for quite a while. Um, and obviously their epidural had worn off by then. So that she goes, we're going to need to take you into surgery. And I'm like, ah, you're going to need to wake up Mick and tell him where I'm going. Cause if he wakes up and I'm gone, (laughs) he's going to freak out. Um, so they took me down and I, I don't know if it's like a, an episiotomy thing or if my body was like a bit shocked or something like that. The adrenaline, I was shaking, like almost like convulsing shaking. Um, maybe for, sorry, not from the episiotomy, from the epidural, the after thing I hear sometimes you shake. But, yeah, I was shaking. But they took me into surgery. They were really lovely. Um, And then when I came back, like, Mick had to keep checking. He's like, where is she? Like, I'm really worried about her. was left with this hours-old baby that would cry in every now and again and he'd just sort of just, like, you know, rock him and try and get him back to sleep. And luckily Mav was tired from the birth. So, I mean, I hadn't breastfed him for quite some time. So I think he was fine, clearly. Um, He went back to sleep. And... Um, then, you know, the, he eventually went up to the desk. He's like, where is she? Like, <laughs> he was worried at this point. He's like, they're donating her organs. Something as horrible has happened, blah, blah, blah. Like, cause I hadn't been back for about three or four hours, but you know, sometimes yeah. theater can just and take longer. Um, honestly, often like the support person, although we try, they do get a little bit neglected because <laughs> yeah, it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very, so hard for them. Yeah, he was he was okay, and they're like, "Oh no, she's in recovery. It's all right. You can see her soon." So then they moved us to the recovery suite because I was still in the birth suite because I was in so mm-hmm. much pain. They hadn't moved me yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we all met up in the the thing, and I'd lost a lot of blood, like a lot throughout. From the the hematoma was quite large, and from the you know the episiotomy and stuff like that, and just blood loss in general, I'd lost a lot of blood, and I literally looked like a cadaver I was yellow (laughs) um I was so pale I was so I barely had any strength I was still managing to breastfeed somehow I mean I guess they don't need much at that point they're just trying to dial in your milk and maybe getting a bit of colostrum Mm -hmm. um so that that was okay but I was really not not well I ended up having to have like two or three lots of um blood transfusions an iron infusion, which I think actually really helped me in the following weeks. I think you feel the effects sometimes down the line from that. Um, But I spent about five or six days in the hospital, which is quite a bit for a vaginal birth. Normally you get out a bit earlier. So it wasn't brilliant. (laughs) But, you know, now I know um, that these things can happen and just, you know, the next time I eventually give birth, it'll be maybe a bit of a different story. And I'll know to, you know, speak to an OB. I'll have private health insurance this time. Speak to an OB that maybe has some experience in birth trauma so that they can help. Um, and, you know, I'll just go in knowing a bit more this time. Ended up yeah. we were fine. Matthew was fine the whole time. He, yeah. I don't think he ever lost weight. He's not one of those babies that lost <laughs> weight when they went home. He just kept putting it on. He's a chunk. So <laughs> even now he's about seventeen or eighteen kilos um, as an eighteen or well, as a 
one and a half year old. So he's a big, he's a big boy. boy. He's yeah. half my height already, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> he's clearly been fine the whole time and he's still, we're, we're down to one feed um, mm-hmm. just before he goes to bed. So we're still breastfeeding, which is kind of nice in a way that we've been able to have that journey the whole way along. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just go in with it. I wasn't particularly traumatized. I just go into it knowing that there's a different way next time. Yeah. But you've you've reflected on it and you obviously had some of that education already to sort of understand some of the things. But birth trauma looks so different for each and every woman. Like honestly, the other week I was at work and I was talking about birth trauma with like some of the obstetric team or and I was sort of like, you guys have to understand that birth trauma, although you guys think something's traumatic or not traumatic, like that can be really traumatic for a woman. Absolutely. Like you can't be like, oh, well, that wasn't a traumatic birth because if they view it as traumatic, like we can't say it's not. Like everyone is allowed to have some sort of feeling surrounding her birth. But for you as a first-time mum, when you had your epidural, could you still feel the contractions or did you have no of the – um, feeling when they were coming I could feel a bit um not definitely not to the extent that I was beforehand yeah. like, they weren't hurting necessarily but I did feel the pressure pressure and it's, yeah it's like it's a bit weird like your body's like doing these things and you can't quite feel it yeah. in full and it, so it was a bit strange and but yeah it, it was okay I think you know the most traumatic thing for me was feeling like I wasn't being listened to by that obstetrician um and then once somebody came along and believed me and gave me help immediately I felt better about it you know because I knew that I was going to get help and I knew that the pain would go so you know for some people if they really don't want a c-section and they go through all of this birthing you know time and labor and then they have an emergency section they've still got to recover from it all and so that's traumatic for them because they're so exhausted and depleted already but to recover from that c-section it takes probably longer so you know it can be different for everybody um and you know I was a bit tired by that point so it probably did take me the full five days that I really needed I was very excited to get out of the hospital when I finally could (laughs) Yeah, and you de- you would have if you had three blood transfusions and an iron infusion, like you definitely would have lost a significant amount of blood, like mm. two, three liters plus, probably. Um, and a hematoma is basically everyone's like, what's a hematoma? <laughs> a buildup of blood, and it, yeah, um, and it can be very painful for a woman. It's yeah. just like a a real throbbing, um that yeah it just gets worse and worse because the blood will keep pulling in that area and Mm. I'm so sorry that people didn't listen to you because honestly women women know when something's wrong Mm -hmm. like you're not just you've just bloody had a baby you're not going to be complaining about the afterbirth pains um like come on so that's really poor from them and I'm so sorry that you had to go through that but you're like in a way you're lucky that you were strong and could advocate for yourself yeah. and like what you were saying for someone that couldn't find themselves in that position it would be really really challenging um but five days recovery like that's why it would have taken you a while to feel like yourself after because losing that much blood although they try to put it back in your body still has to process it and recover and even recovering from the hematoma would have been really hard so how did you sort of feel postpartum I actually was in quite a lot of pain for quite a lot of time like I the hematoma ended up coming back which was annoying and then they they actually treated it with antibiotics in the end and it did go away but I had to go and have like MRIs and stuff like that 
um, which is not easy to do when you've got like a six-week-old baby. Um, But, you know, the weirdest thing for me um, was that you do all of these appointments in the lead up to your birth. And then they're like, once you're out of the hospital, they're like, see you in six weeks. (laughs) And because it was locked down, like, no one could come to the house. Midwives couldn't come to the house to help you with breastfeeding and stuff like that. Luckily, I didn't have a problem with it. But I did have pain for probably four months after the birth. So I definitely didn't feel like myself. My perineum was really, really sore, very inflamed, like sitting down was agony for quite a while. Um, so, you know, I really relied on the sideline <laughs> breastfeeding blows and stuff like that. Yeah. Just, yeah. I wish I would thought more about getting off from sitting position I thought I had to be recovering and resting but sometimes being on your side is actually better for that you know um I did have like a little kit which I'd bought online which was great like a recovery um kit that was really helpful like those um little premium but they were amazing yes life-changing I'd never even heard of it before I became pregnant but life-changing like the sits bath like all of those things that you when you're very tender um were really like the padsicles or that kind of stuff was just amazing um really utilize that and but I was in pain for quite a while so that's why you know the next time around I'll be really advocating for what I want and being a bit more clear on that um and I think you know it's something that you gain with perspective um having been through that and through experience like I wouldn't really know to to ask about yeah. that but if that ever happens again and that pain ever happens again I know it so well that I'll know yeah. exactly what it is and and on yeah that's the thing that you're not going to forget though mm-hmm. that's like that's the thing that it's a shame because you know your birth didn't go the way that you envisioned it to but you're accepting and you were still really feeling really good and powerful mm-hmm. about that but it was the other thing that got taken away from you that has now put a dampen on how you view your whole birthing experience and I've shared on the podcast before with my sister she had complications with her episiotomy and mm. um, found it quite challenging to reconnect with that area it yeah. took a significant amount of time because she had infection and it was very swollen um, did it take you some time to reconnect with that area yeah yeah and also I think from breastfeeding and stuff like your body just goes through so many changes like I didn't feel you know yeah sexual or anything for months and months and months my poor husband um <laughs> I feel like but, yeah we forget you know, about them doesn't matter <laughs> it's very understanding but um you know just things you really don't feel feel like yourself for a while you feel like a bit of a disconnect and especially in those days when you're very sleepless and it all feels like a lot and you've just got to get through those kind of it's like the trenches <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. The, it's the hardest time you know and and I was lucky, like Mavi was not ever a great sleeper, but he got his days and nights together pretty quickly and we didn't have to go anywhere or do anything because we were still in lockdown. So we kind of just focused on getting him into like as much of a routine as you can get into a newborn, Um, but just finding our pattern and what our new normal was and like really getting in there with the breastfeeding and stuff like that and figuring out, you know, okay, he's gone to sleep can I go to bed for a bit and you know like that was so helpful to have support people around me for that um because you're not meant to do it alone it's it's not too much to do it on your own um but it's it looks different for everybody and people cope with different things and you know all the babies are different too like Mavi wasn't ever colicky or anything like that and he didn't have reflux and those kinds of things I know can really 
make people struggle yeah. so hard. But he was he was a bit of a champ in that respect. He was just, you know, a chunk, just always wanted more milk. <laughs> Massive chunk. Yeah, but, you know, it's a testament to you that your body, like, and even though you lost a significant – even though you lost a significant amount of blood, mm-hmm. like those women are at risk of delayed milk coming in and more breastfeeding issues because the body has lost like that volume that's required to help mm-hmm. milk production. So it's a testament to you that you've kept going. Um, I know you say like Maverick's a great feeder, but also you're doing all of this too. Like you've persist, you, you're still persisting now, which is mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, you've always been very open about your breastfeeding journey and how, um empowering that is for you and often women just we we throw the towel in because you know it's hard and mm-hmm. we think women don't feed past a year or past six months but you know you're living proof that you still can feed your baby for mm-hmm. over a year and a half plus yeah and if that's what you want go for it like screw what anybody yeah. else says if that's if you're passionate about that and I think it's great like it was really especially helpful for when I went back to work in the first year of daycare it's like virus bingo. So <laughs> the breast milk definitely helps in that respect, you know, it just helps give them bits of antibodies and helps them recover quicker. And, you know, cause it's pretty brutal when you're getting sick every week or two and, you know, no one had been exposed to anything for ages and so no one had any immunity. And so it was a bit yeah. of a brutal time, but um, I, I've, I really enjoyed my breastfeeding journey and I definitely want to do it again in the future. And if, and I, I really hope and I'll make sure that I do everything in my power to help that work again, including that first, you know, like golden hour, I think was really important for us to have that little connection. It was so sweet. And there are times where your nipples feel like they're going to fall off. Definitely. I, yeah. No, it's not supposed to hurt. It does because all of a sudden you have something sucking on them, like for what feels like 20 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. So of course it's going to be tender, but you know, there's, there's ways to help and there's so many great products out there that help as well now help ease the discomfort yeah. and and help you with that amazing and I have one final question for you yeah it's probably going to be the hardest to answer but what is your favorite thing about being a mum Ooh, that is a hard one yeah. um, <laughs> you know what I just I love those light like little moments that we get every day where he just decides to play a joke on me or try and make his own version of a joke or you know those little connection moments that you really start to understand your little one in a way that nobody else can especially now that he doesn't shut up he's so talkative um (laughs) but I can understand him a lot better than anybody else because I'm around him more you know um but just those those little moments that you get with them I love it and when when we were breastfeeding, my favourite moments were when they fall asleep and they've still got their little sucking <laughs> thing going. It's so cute. Yeah. They're just like asleep in your arms and they're so content and so comfortable and relaxed and they're just like, it's so cute. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to love just sitting there watching him and, you know, you think that all you'd want to do is just have five minutes to yourself but then you're just looking at this sort of thing, you know, like I'm so in love with you, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so that kind of feeling, it, it I couldn't replicate it in any other aspect of my life. I don't think it's really special. Um, but seeing him grow and just take on everything and the way that they learn things so fast is really yeah. quite astounding. You, you, you're never really prepared for how rapid it is. Mm. I like, even with my nephew, I watch him and I'm like, it's just, I can't even believe that it, like 18 months ago, he was 
a tiny baby and now he can like walk, talk, climb up at the park, like do all these things and you just watch them because you're just like you are so smart and so clever. It's incredible how fast that they (laughs) go and learn to do stuff and mimic you. Like they've it's really funny. They've started he started calling me L V, which is what my husband calls me. (laughs) And he started calling my husband M C, which is what I call him. And then he started calling my mum Helen because he's really even the other day I was FaceTiming someone and then I accidentally dropped the phone while I was doing I went, Oh shit. And he goes, Oh shit. And I'm like, Oh no. We're not going to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little parrot. So you think that they don't know or they can't do something, and then they just go ahead they do and, it. and <laughs> put you to shame. Yeah, you but can't it's stop really it. Really incredible to see, and you know, I love seeing little babies and stuff like that. And they're just, you know, it, it, there's mm. so much potential in them. It's incredible. Um, but yeah. you know, I think supporting the mamas is, is really important because it's such a big change in your life that you can't really prepare for you can kind of mentally prepare a little bit but nothing really throws you in the deep end like motherhood yeah yeah absolutely Mm. well Lauren that brings us to the end of the episode thank you so much for sharing your story um it's been really incredible to listen to and you're just doing such amazing things and hopefully other women that might have experienced something that you've gone through they can resonate with it a little bit and it can help them in one small way so thank you so much for coming on my pleasure I don't want to you know scare anyone off I had a bit of a doozy there's plenty of amazing normal birds out there that are a lot less of eventful but you know if it can help someone feel a little bit less alone or if you know that something doesn't feel right just speak up about it and and keep speaking about it until someone takes notice and gives you help because sometimes you just need to do that like sometimes you need to make yourself hurt so thank you for the opportunity to chat today it's been lovely having a chat with you my absolute pleasure thanks lauren Bye. bye thank you for listening to today's episode of midi Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at themidisociety.com.au and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. Was that my hands or my flaps? I'll let you decide. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week. And remember, you're doing the best you can. Oh,